You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey everyone, what's up? It's Nathan Barris here, stunt double and fight coordinator. You've probably seen my recent work in Bloodshot. You are listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me today all the way from Cape Town, South Africa, stuntman, fight coordinator. You've seen his work in The Dark Tower, Resident Evil, The Final Chapter, Into the Badlands, and most recently, fresh from doubling Sam Hugan in Bloodshot, Nathan Barris. Nathan, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. It's really great to have you. I'm a fan of several of the projects you're involved in, so we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. But first off, uh, it's a surreal time that we're living in right now. How is COVID-19 affecting Cape Town today? Um, we're in a lockdown currently. I think we're in day five of a, of a lockdown now. We've got a 21-day uh, lockdown here. Um, you know, for, for, for us, it's pretty chilled. You know, um, we only go out for the... Uh, the bare necessities. Um, so, you know, we're spending a lot of time at home. I'm actually valuing the, uh, the amount of free time we have, you know, life is so busy and crazy in, uh, in our industry. You've got to kind of like save any little moment you have. So having three weeks of kind of forced holiday is actually quite a blessing. <laughs> well, how are you holding up though, personally? Yeah, good. You know, um, luckily I have a, a bit of space, um, at my place where I'm able to train. So I've been training um, in the most time twice a day. Um, it's difficult in terms of the cardio where um, our country is a lot, a lot stricter on the, on the, on the um, precautions we have to take. So you're not allowed to like go out for your one daily bit of exercise like you can in the UK and other places. So um, I'm literally doing, <laughs> trying to just like run on the spot, basically anything to get a sweat on to burn some calories. Um, so, I mean, that's a little bit difficult, but, um, apart from that, you know, you know, I'm sweet, you know, Warzone came out for Call of Duty. So ultimately I think half, half the population is playing that most of the time. So, um, (laughs) as long as I kind of get my chores done and I kind of, you know, do my training, um, and, uh, I kind of set myself a few tasks to kind of learn, learn a few different things while I'm in this, you know, in this lockdown period. So I've been learning a bit more guitar, a bit more with the video editing and special effects and sound design and things like that again. Um, so, you know, hopefully I'll come away from this actually better, yeah, more educated in these other things, you know, from, from actually being locked up for three weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> I see it like a blessing in disguise. No, that's good. And uh, just in terms of the uh, the cardio, I think there was a story, uh, I don't know if you reread it, but there was a guy somewhere, I, I believe it's in Europe somewhere, who uh, did an entire marathon just by running in his apartment. Wow. <laughs> I get dizzy, you know, like, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, the balcony that I train on is kind of like the size of a double garage. It's kind of like 36 meters squared and I'll be running in a circle, but I have to like change the rotation after like three or four rounds because I actually start to get dizzy. You know, I'm seeing yes. this. It's like if you're, if you're in a car and you're going around the roundabout, you know, even though it's not like super small, but you start to get dizzy after a while. So, uh, yeah, fair play to the person, man. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, I think he wound up doing 5,000-plus laps around his apartment. That's crazy. That is – yeah, that's yeah, – that's mad. I don't, I don't, I don't know whether, like, whether that's something you congratulate someone on or I don't know. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, all that exercise, you just recently posted a video of yourself doing the bad martial arts challenge, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Coming into the show real very soon. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly is your martial arts background, if you can tell me? Okay, so um, I actually, you know, growing up, you know, I always wanted to get stuck into, you know, a martial arts from a young age. Um, unfortunately, I, we never really had a lot of money growing up where, where I lived in England. Um, you know, single mom, she was raising uh, me and my brother. She didn't have a job. We were, we were on go- government benefits and stuff. So even to go to a, a club and just pay like the weekly fee was actually, um, you know, kind of out, out of our price range. But, I, you know, there was times where I managed to um, do a bit of uh, traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then also the traditional uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu as well. And then um, 
I kind of dabbled with a little bit of capoeira here and there. And then I got into kickboxing. I think more of the kickboxing was kind of the thing that I stuck on, uh, stuck with the longest and got to brown belt um, before I ended up uh, moving to South Africa. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So uh, are you still practicing other martial arts styles today? Are you, are you, you know, looking into different styles? Yeah. You know what? It's kind of tricky, obviously with our industry, you know, if you're working away on a job, you kind of, it depends really if that's the style that is that is needed for the show. Um, you know, if you're doing like a pirate show, you know, you spending all your time working on, you know, uh, fancy kicks and, you know, you're hitting your, your B-twists and all of your, your acrobatics, but you're never actually needing it for the show. So you'd rather use that time to focus on the, the fight forms and the styles that are required for, for, you know, that series. But, you know, ultimately I tried just to maintain you know, the, the, the kicks that I do know, you know, um, the styles that I do know. Unfortunately, being six foot two and doing all the flips from back in my free running days have kind of messed my lower back up, you know, over the, over the years. So, you know, I've got kind of um, naturally um, two fused uh, discs, basically, um, without any need for surgery. They just kind of grinded themselves down and they just kind of fused themselves. So um, I'm kind of like... Yeah, I'm having to kind of be careful with, uh, you know, overdoing it too much um, with my back because it can put me out for quite a long time. So as long as I maintain what I do have, keep my conditioning up and, um, you know, keep my core strong, um, it's pretty good. You know, as long as I have a good warm up, I'm, I'm pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of just try to stick to what I can still do, you know, every now and then dusting off the old cobwebs of some flips. Um, it's difficult, obviously, now being in this locked up stage, you, you kind of, uh, locked down to you know not having much of a run up, so uh, it's just kind of your standard moves if you if you if you want to do some. But uh, you know I'd love to get back into it. Unfortunately, also in in South Africa, there's no government funding for a lot of facilities. There's no you know in England, in in uh, you know one town you can have two gymnastics clubs with full sprung floors, all the fine pits, all the mats. Your environment is there for you. Um, over here, there's literally nothing. You know, I actually started a, a like a little uh, academy that had a sprung floor. We we imported it from America. We had brought in a cheerleading sprung floor just to have a place where um, we could train. You know, where we could maintain these these skill sets because ultimately it's just either going on the grass or doing it on you know some hard mats or whatever. But you don't really have the the added spring if you want to kind of you know do a, a triple twist or you want to do a double back or something like that. So yeah, it's yeah, it's unfortunate. Wow, that's a two fused discs. That sounds um, like it probably gets pretty painful sometimes. It, it did at a stage. I was I was kind of um, oblivious to really the severity of it. I was I was misdiagnosed a lot with um, with what it was actually what was actually the injury. Um, I was told I had piriformis syndrome, and that's basically where your sciatic nerve runs through runs actually through your piriformis muscle. And they say it's like a, you're born with it, and it's just you know if it flares up, that's obviously there's nothing you can do about it. But actually what had happened was um, there was an imbalance um, in my hips. I was very quad dominant from doing a lot of the plyometric training through the, the parkour training and the free running training. And then through doing all the kicks, my hamstrings became a lot, a lot more flexible, but they weren't strong. I was never really contracting them under any sort of resistance. Um, so what that gave me was called a thing called an anterior pelvic tilt, which basically caused my hips to kind of be pulled forward and caused my lower back to arch more. And uh, just over over the years of it being in that position and all the impact of landing and jumping. And also when I came over to South Africa, I took up motocross, which isn't exactly the most softest uh, <laughs> thing on your spine, you know. Right. And, uh, and funny enough, it was like I had a bit of a, a bit of a crash and that kind of messed me up for about a good month. I was literally in bed um, in agony. I literally thought I was like, paralyzed for a few weeks I couldn't move and I was pretty scared you know I was pretty scared it was like I didn't know what was going on um, but ultimately I think it was just the muscles that had contracted to protect the spine um, and then after you know two and a half three weeks they kind of subsided and kind of got my mobility back again but um, I was just really cautious you know of, of allowing it to flare up but as long as I have a good warm-up you know and I stretch and I kind of condition and maintain what I do have then I'm pretty sweet I'm pretty still pretty good Awesome. I want to get into more of that in a little bit, but uh, that parkour background that you were talking about, yes. uh, you started 
Three Run, which is a, a whole free running crew. How did that whole thing come about? Yeah, man, established in 2003. So um, it was actually uh, myself, Chase Armitage. I don't know if you know who Chase Armitage is. He's pretty big in the, in the parkour game. Um, and some of our other friends, um, Adam Brayshaw, Cole Armitage, uh, Chase's brother, my friend Sean, um, we kind of got together and we already were kind of doing, we'd watched Jackie Chan basically, you know, uh, this was when um, parkour was still pretty much in France. Just started to jump over the, the channel into the UK, they just released um, Jump London and uh, were like starting to film Jump Britain, which was the impact of what Jump London had on the community in the UK and then people started, you know, started to grow. Um, so we was already doing it then before it, there was really a name. Um, we were following, a, a, you know, the crews in France with the Yamakasi guys, um, was watching obviously all the Jackie Chan films, um, Donnie N movies, you know, inspired by all of these things. And we were just going out and, you know, just being kids, kind of like a lot of the backgrounds of the performers in the US, you know, they all watched Jackie movies growing up or, you know, your Hong Kong fight movies. And, you know, just as you go on, it just becomes your career because you're just constantly working towards this this um, dream that, you know, the, you, what you're seeing is now becoming a part of your life. And uh, so, we, yeah, we started that 2003 and we were rocking that. I think everyone kind of just went off and branched off to do their own thing by about 2015, 2016. So it was going on for quite a while and uh, we set, I think in total, like 17 Guinness World Records. We were traveling the world. I mean, it was like literally living the dream. You're traveling around the world with your best friends, being paid to literally do flips and be kids. And it was, it was like the best period of my life, hands down. It was incredible. That's awesome. So from martial arts to parkour and then to the stunt world, was that always part of the plan to get into stunts from the, the parkour stuff? Yeah, you know what? It actually, funny enough, the order of what was more probably the parkour and the free running kind of mixed with the martial arts. I was always enjoying filming fight scenes anyway. The stunt performer's goal was kind of like, you know, you, you had to be over 18 to kind of at least work in the films. So what we were doing was just kind of what we thought were stunts. You know, you're doing flips, you're jumping from building to building. There's no mats, there's no wires. It was kind of the most rawest form, I guess, of, of you know, taking a risk. And um, just over, over time, we started getting work where, yeah, you're doing the free running, but then you'd now be in a harness because obviously the safety aspect, you know, there's insurances now when you start working in the game. Um, you're in a harness, you're on a wire, you know, then all of a sudden, um, you know, they're like, hey, listen, you actually a good look for this guy. Do you want to double this guy? And all of a sudden you start to get kind of more and more into that world where then that literally just becomes what you do. You don't even have the time to do any of the free running things anymore because you're constantly now on a film set fighting and doing all this type of stuff. Luckily, I was always kind of pushing the, you know, the fighting for film um, with like my best friend, Adam Brayshaw, also a very talented stunt performer. You know, we were doing this from like, I don't know, 2005, you know, and it started off, it was rubbish, you know, but the, 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 the idea was there, you know, the seed was already planted. We were already, we had the, we had the idea, we were just doing it, you know, so we were doing it even back then. So obviously our work then was very amateur. We didn't really know what we was doing. We were filming on mini DV tapes, you know, having to manually capture all your footage again and, over the years, you know, like we now start working together on big movies or he's doing the fights for a film or doubling Ryan Reynolds in Six Underground or whatever, you know, and, and you know, and we all, we all came from the same background. We all grew up together. We all, you know, single parents. We all lived in Basingstoke in England. And, um, you know, we all uh, kind of used the free running thing. It was stepping stones ultimately to get us into the stunt game. We always, that was always the end goal for us. And the free running kind of allowed us to do that, but also allowed us to get more confidence with performing in front of a crowd, the pressure. There's a lot of pressure in, in you know, doing stunts on films because it's not just you and someone else with a camera filming you, it's the camera crew. It's the audience there, the flipping uh, extras, it's background actors, it's the directors, <laughs> then it's the flipping producers. They're also watching you and you're like, holy shit, i got to... You know, we're losing light. I gotta get this shot. You know, so there's a there's a there's a, there's a well, I was gonna swear there's a lot of pressure. You know, and and the free running shows helped us with that. You know, because you start to do bigger shows, bigger audiences. You know, you start to do maybe you know slightly more riskier things. 
bigger jumps, you know, the consequences were starting to get a little bit greater. It wasn't just, if I didn't make this jump, I break a leg. It's like, if I don't make this jump, I die. You know, there's no coming back from it. It's like, it's not like a story you're looking at, like, you know, you're talking about five or six stories, sometimes more. And you're like, you know, it's not one of those, I can kind of walk this one off. So, you know, it helped us in a sense, mentally prepare for the pressures of, of working in the film industry well for me it did anyway yeah now do you recall what your first or what you might consider your first film industry stunt work i did a i did a film in toronto called you got served to beat the world straight to dvd i think it even went on blu-ray i could be wrong <laughs> but that was that was an amazing time i was there with uh, chase armitage as well originally we were there as just to go there and do some free running you know featured then he ended up landing the fourth cast position on it um he was number four on a call sheet which is pretty cool for him and uh and i was kind of like his his mate i was kind of like un- uncredited but i was just like his his character's name was yuson i think and i was just like yuson's friend but it was cool you know i got to be in toronto for like three and a half months i got to um get back into my dancing which i used to do when i was a lot younger and um was free running there but ultimately you know you're doing stuff but it's you know you need a stunt coordinator there all the pads and stuff were in there. So that was kind of like my first taste of doing it in a film. We had done music videos and, and commercials before that, probably two or three years before that. But in terms of the movie, that was kind of my first, you know, movie break as I guess kind of like a stunt performer slash free runner slash dancer slash actor, I guess. <laughs> slash catering yeah. slash everything else. Yeah. <laughs> kind of did a bit of everything there. <laughs> multi-threat there exactly yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so now with just taking into account some of the things that you talked about uh, you had the the motocross crash uh your fuse discs when you were getting into stunts and all that stuff was there anyone along the way that said nathan you could get really hurt why don't you go get a desk job somewhere you, you know what that conversation happened way earlier with the free running career <laughs> that wasn't that was like that was already i already had that conversation with my mom <laughs> You know, I'd come in and she'd be like, why are you covered in so much blood? And then I'd be like, check this out, mom. This is what I did today. And she was like, listen, you know, like at the time she was like, you know, you're finishing school in like a year. Like this has to either start making you money or you got to get a job. You know, it's one of those things. You know, we're, you know we, we grew up poor, you know, but well, I say, you know, different levels of being poor. But, you know, I, I didn't have a, a father figure, you know, present. Um, my mom wasn't working and it was kind of like whatever I made doing the free running stuff was my was my allowance you know was my living expenses um, so you know we had that talk pretty early on but the main thing with that is that I had the support from her she understood it she got it um, she saw how uh, passionate I was with it and she saw you know growing up in our area, you know, there was a lot of negative things happen. There were stabbings, robberies, this, you know, it was very easy for, for the guys involved in three run to go down the wrong road very easy. You know, um, it, you know, a lot of my school friends now, um, you know, when I, if I see them on Facebook, what they up to, they just got out of prison. They've done like a five or six year stretch. And I'm like, holy shit, this, this guy was like a good guy in school, you know, and he's just gone down this road. I think it's a lot of the time it's when people don't have necessarily a f- something to focus on. So with the three run shows and, you know, I, it was more of a brotherhood, you know, than just a team. We did everything together, but that was my crew. You know, that was our circle that we all were focusing on just kind of like achieving goals and pursuing passions and having drive and creating dream, dream boards and having the law of attraction present all the time and was like, man, I want to get this, I want to do this. And, you know, you're constantly wanting to improve, you know, so you do one flip and then you would go, you know what, I want to do this. And you want to, you're always striving for more, you know, so we had, we had this drive and, you know, my mom saw that and she was like, stick with this, you know, you'll, you'll make something of it. And I like to think I kind of have, or, I, or I'm getting there. <laughs> When did you know that you could make something of it? When did you feel like this is going to be the career? You know what? I kind of always, I was always, I kind of always had that idea, like as a kid growing up. I know it sounds like probably a lie, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I always, I always, you know, going through school, they're pretty regimented in what they teach you. They kind of tell you what you're going to be doing after school. You're either going to do this, or you're going to do this, you study this. There was no like stunt classes in school. 
Um, but what our, our school, funny enough, the school I went to in England called uh, Fort Hill Community School in Basingstoke, we were the first school in the, in the country to implement this thing on a Wednesday afternoon. It was just a trial that they had that uh, you would finish school at, I think, like midday, so like 12, 1 o'clock, and then there was like a load of extracurricular activities you could do. Now, you could learn to drive, you could do trampoline, you could play roller hockey, you could do rugby, you could... There were so many different things you could do. You could go home early and study. Not that everyone went home and studied. They just went home and, you know, chilled out or whatever. But <laughs> I went and I went on the trampoline, you know. So I was already like, man, I'm just going to go on the trampoline. I already knew this was uh, what I wanted to do. And also... Um, I, uh, I kind of protested when I was learning, well, made to learn French in school because it's kind of compulsory in our school, that um, I kind of just said to him, listen, I'm, there's no plan of me living in, in France. I don't think that I'm going to be needing this language in my life. It's a beautiful language, but I'd rather be utilizing this time than focusing on something I don't think I'm ever going to need to be utilizing it in something that I feel like I might be having you know, a, a greater chance in doing. So I just want to go on a trampoline, please. <laughs> But uh, I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the, um, we didn't have the money to, to go to a gymnastics club. We didn't have the, uh, you know, because gymnastics is quite expensive. You know, your uh, annual salary is, uh, your an annual fee is pretty pricey. Um, you know, for someone that isn't working or for a single mum, you know, on government benefits, you know, like you can't be dropping, you know, three, four hundred pounds a year on your child to go to gymnastics. Um, so, you know, with our free running crew, we, we would um, utilize what we had at schools, so like the trampets or the trampolines, which weren't the greatest. And then I uh, would go and do flips in a, in a long jump pit, like an athletics, you know, sand pit, because it had a bit of an edge. So you'd probably maybe get like a, a foot or two foot of, of lift off of it. And we was landing in the sand, you know, and that's how we learned. That's how I learned like my first backflip was backflipping off the side of this piece of grass into the sand with my friends kind of figuring out how to stop me. There was no gymnastics club. So we learned that raw way of doing it, um, which I think also a lot of, uh, quite a few stunt guys nowadays kind of also come from that, that, um, that raw kind of, you know, school of hard knocks kind of place um, where they're just self-taught, you know. So we don't really have the, um, the neatness of a gymnast, you know, which sometimes is a good thing. You don't want to look too clean. Especially, you know, with, if you're playing like a drunk pirate, you don't want to look like <laughs> too, too pointy with your toes, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I first came to uh, your work on a very cool show that uh, is, is very much missed by a lot of fans, but Into the Badlands. Yes. Oh, man. What a journey. That was amazing. Yeah. How did you get involved with that show? You know what? Funny story. And I'm going to be completely honest. So basically, I was, I'm, I was in Cape Town. I just got burgled. Um, literally guys had broken into a, uh, mine and my girlfriend's apartment took everything wow and I was like I was like screw this place man I need to get away and I phoned my mate Adam Brayshaw and, uh, and I was like man if you know of anything even if it's just like three days I've got some money in the bank I'm going to fly to the UK it, I just need to kind of get my head away from this negative space my girlfriend at the time she was working in Johannesburg on a, on a, a TV show um, she's a working actress, so um, she was already working. She she had found a focus. Things started to get a little bit quiet in Cape Town. Then we got burgled, and I was like, "Man, I just need a, I need to sink my teeth into something." And then he he messaged me, being like, "Man, funny you ask. You know, I've just um, been asked about something. I'm kind of actually, you know, not a better double for him than you are. You know, you are the perfect height. You're the perfect size. You know, I'll put you forward. To, I'll give you the coordinates number." And, uh, and then, you know, let me know how it goes. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's incredible. Passing on the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity like that. And uh, so I phoned the, I phoned the coordinator, a guy called uh, Peter Miles in the UK. Such a lovely guy. One of the most amazing, loveliest coordinators out there. And, uh, and he was like, listen, I've got a couple of weeks for you. If you're keen, you know, uh, you need to get to Ireland by Monday. And I was like, it's Friday. <laughs> I was like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Sunday morning, boom, I was in, I was in Dublin. I made myself there. I just went to the UK. Um, I was there for um, literally one day. And in that time, funny enough, I've actually just uploaded it to my Instagram now uh, as like a little kind of throwback. Uh, me and Adam made a, like a four-minute fight video. Um, just we got together and was like, why oh, are you in town? Let's just quickly film something. Let's just put it together. Bish, bash, bosh. And then, you know, you can go to Ireland. So within that time, 
I landed there, filmed the fight, edited the fight with Adam, and then you know left, and then was in the island come Sunday morning. Um, so then uh, I started the show, and it was basically just a double an actor uh, being ratcheted from an exploding car. So I was like, sweet, cool, you know, nice, probably a little adjustment in there, two weeks work, you know, that 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 would be perfect. And then um, I got out there and you know just did my thing, um, made sure you know I was I was a team player. I'm helping with everything. Um, I also you know understand the rigging aspect of, of the stunt industry to an extent. Um, so you know I tried to just make sure that I was I was uh, you know I, had, I made myself a position, you know, and I, I made sure that I was of value. And um, after a week, he he called me into the office and he was like, "Do you want to stay for the full show?" And I was like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I was like, and this was now, this was now early, I think it was like the first week of September, and I was like, I mean, how, how long do you have left? And he was like, we literally just started, this thing goes until the 20th of December, and I was like, sweet, I was like, I'll take that, <laughs> yes, please. Wow. You know, so, so that was amazing, the bad thing was then phoning my girlfriend, you know, back, being like, babe, just to let you know, um, I'll see you at Christmas, <laughs> which it was tough, you know, but we, we understand it we respect each other's craft, you know, it is, it's part of our job. And, you know, as long as we've got the understanding there and we respect it, it's, it's actually been wicked. So yeah, I was there for four and a half months um, with Pete and it was, it was incredible. And then um, obviously I got to work with Daniel Wu. I got to work with Nick Frost. Um, a lot of the guys out there were incredible. Um, you know, all the actors were just brilliant to work with. And then um, season three got the go ahead and they, they wanted to do a two part and have it back to back film so it was nine months and then um, Pete messaged me was like do you want to come back out and I was like hell yeah so then I ended up doing another nine months the following year <laughs> that ran on into the next year um, on that show as well and it was incredible it was you know it's an amazing show it is a, a, a unique show uh, behind the camera in front of the camera for so many reasons did it feel unique to all of you guys working on the show oh man you know what for me like I had obviously seen season one. Obviously, if you're a fan of any martial arts in cinema or on TV, you know, season one was awesome. It was also a big game changer with the fighting styles and just, just how long the fight scenes were and just how beautifully shot and choreographed they were. Um, you don't really see that in, well, you see that now, but you didn't really see that in 2015's kind of entertainment TV and film kind of era. So um, I was a massive fan already, so I already knew what the hell the show was about. And uh, yeah, to be involved with it, you know, it's a very, you know, with movies, you get prep, you have rehearsal time, um, you get, you know, in some films, okay, we've got three months prep, you're like, wow, okay, cool, there's a fight in an office, maybe the fight's like three, four minutes long, and you've got like eight weeks to come up with it. So it's a walk in the park in terms of your, you know, in terms of how long you have to come up with ideas and, you know, that kind of thing. But with this show, it was literally on the day it was like they would do all the acting stuff. You had two units running. You had the drama unit and then you had the fight unit. So drama unit would obviously cover all the, the talky-talky between the actors. Fight unit would kind of pick up on the last bit of dialogue that kind of then would, you know, lead into the fight. And then it was as they got to that point, they are like, okay, cool, cut. Crew, go have a coffee. Fight guys come in and we was like, okay, cool. Let's uh, let's go. Bah, 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 bah. And you're literally on the spot. I mean, Andy Chang, the, the action director, shout out to Andy Chang because he is phenomenal. Um, he, he has his vision, you know, him and Master Didi, um, they would, they would talk and they'll boom, 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 they have the idea. And then you're literally there going, right. Okay. And you have to be on your toes and you've got to remember like 20, 30 beats, um, you know, in 10 minutes and then be, be camera ready in like 10, 15 minutes to go. So, you know, you really have to think on your feet and I think definitely having like the, the back, like the, the, the little background in dancing that I did have helped a lot in terms of remembering the choreography and you know that's also one thing I, I try to train is also just to remember the routine that is the skill in itself you know not just to be able to do a routine but you know when you're taught a routine you're not necessarily taught to fight you're taught just the, the combination so if you're able to retain that information quick and you know and then move on to the next one you know that's that's very valuable especially for a show like that where it was very much all right, stop what you're doing, learn the fight, get the cameras back on, do the fight. And it was like that for the whole show. Um, so you come away from there being like, wow, I feel like I'm ready for anything um, after a show like that. It was truly, truly unique. I've never been on a show that had, had that since. 
Um, but, uh, but it was enjoyable, you know, that pressure, that, um, that kind of like, oh shit, you know, hopefully <laughs> I don't mess up kind of moment. And the takes, <laughs> and the takes were long as well. They were, I mean, like that style, you know, Andy, you know, he likes to, he likes to play it out. He wants to show the, the, the skill set of the performers doing it and the skill set of the actors. I think that was also what was incredible about that show was that the actors did a lot of the stuff themselves and they could move. I mean, like Daniel Wu can move, you know, he can move well, you know, a lot of the guys, even Nick Frost was throwing down, like the guys were moving so well. So that show was able to capture that and show that as well. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. I uh, had Andy Chang and uh, Vidan Tran as well. Yes, Vidan, my boy. Yeah, he's wicked, man. Very talented. Today. That guy is, is up and coming, man. He's like, he's going to be the new, the new era very soon. <laughs> well, they, they always had uh, the same... Uh, comments as well you know hong kong style action uh here's the uh here's the routine learn it let's do it and let's get moving you know it was uh, an interesting way to do things and uh, it looked great on screen especially because a lot of the guys that you were talking about could move so well and could really faithfully represent all of that action that's it that's it you don't have to hide behind an edit you know a lot of the a lot of these movies that you see with super super fast cuts you know it's really like it's, they just use it to mask you know, transitions or whatever like that. But if you, if you have performers that are able to do it, you can stand back a little bit wider, you know, capture it from a, a little further away and actually show the action way more and allow the audience to grasp everything that is happening rather than just the Gundersan button. I'm shooting it like so tight on like a 50 mil lens and it's just very blurry and, you know, fast shutter speed and, you know, not to, not to, uh, you know, disrespect the, the born franchise but that was their style it was very fast jump cuts you know it was like the fights were wicked but they were like i feel like it was overly edited um uh but if you look at say john wick and you know it, those guys those eight seven eleven guys any movie that they've been involved with the actions like from a wider perspective because they got the guys there that know how to do it they got the guys there that um you know, can perform it beautifully. And, you know, the actors now are trained, you know, they're training in five, six months. You know, you don't have to fake being good. You can be good because you've had the training. So you're able to capture it from a wider perspective and really show the the skill sets of the, of the people in front of camera. It's incredible. Over a year on Into the Badlands or so for you, give me a memorable moment from the show. Oh man, you know, to be honest, there's, there's a lot of memorable moments. I mean, I don't want to say necessarily like doing doing the stunts and things were a memorable moment. But for me, like being able to meet Daniel Wu, being, being able to meet uh, Nick Frost. Um, I mean, I've been a fan of Nick Frost. I mean, he's not necessarily involved with the, you know, martial arts cinema. Sure. But, uh, you know, seeing, being a fan of his work from, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And I used to watch <laughs> a, a, a TV show called, uh, uh, what was it? Manstroke Woman. It was a BBC Three comedy sketch show. You know, but it was hilarious. I don't think it ever did that well or got that popular. But I watched it when I was, I don't even remember where I was. I think I was still in the UK at the time. And it was hilarious. And I was like, man, it's so funny. So then being able to like work with the guy, it was kind of just, you know, law of attraction, you know, like being able to watch this guy as a fan. And then next thing you know, you're side by side and you're, you know, giving him advice on this and that. And you're helping him and putting pads on him and stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's really awesome. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So from there, uh, you moved into doing fight choreography for Resident Evil, the final chapter and the Dark Tower. Now, what does it take to make that move from a stunt guy to a fight choreographer? I think, you know, going from that, you kind of got to understand not just in terms of, you know, the fight itself, um, but the practical side of things, but you also got to understand in how to capture it, how to how to also sell your idea. It's like you become a salesman, basically, because, well, in my mind, it's like you have an idea, um, you read a script, you, you see what they want. A lot of the time, they don't really give that much detail. It depends. But say for Resident Evil, the fight on top of the truck um, that Mila has with um, uh, General Isaacs uh, was um, pretty, like, brief. Like, boom, she gets on top of a truck, she fights him, she flees on a bike. And I'm like, okay. Like, where, where do you want me to take this? And uh, the director at the time was like, show me something. And I was like, cool, all right. So, you know, you, you get to be creative. So you have to have an imagination, I think, as well. You know, you've got to be able to come up with the idea. You've got to then be able to film that idea, edit that idea, 
put these sounds to it, put your VFX to it, you know, and, and pitch it to the director. You know, you, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of slices to that pie um, that, that I feel you need to, you need to have. Um, you can't just go from being a performer to being, you know, a fight choreographer um, if you're not practicing filming stuff all the time. You can't just make that jump that you're going to be, you're going to, you know, be in, a, be in the ocean and you don't know how to swim because there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of questions that you get asked and if you don't have the answers to them, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to drown. So I was always, I mean, from the free running background, we was always filming our own stuff. We was always filming showreels, filming samplers, filming training days. I mean, that was kind of your thing that you would do, you know, when, once you got home. It was like you export the footage or you capture the footage and you, you edit in the stuff that you'd film that day. So I was always involved in filming and editing, you know, before I even got really into the stunt or the fight choreography side of things. Plus also doing my own passion projects outside of the, the industry. Um, I was already utilizing these kind of, you know, slices of the pie, I guess. Um, but then when you come onto the film set, then you, like you say, you have to, well, like I said, you have to then sell that idea to the directors, um, to the producers, you know, and then be also willing to, you know, accept that your idea isn't, isn't what they want. And then they want to change it last minute or five or six times. And you've got to go, cool, get no problem, boom, boom, boom. Bish, bash, bosh, and then do it again. Um, you know, you had him on your show recently, but uh, Manny, phenomenal. I mean, he did the he did the previsors for um, for Bloodshot, and he did the the fights for Bloodshot, and he is in my eyes like the guy for 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 nailing the formula for what it takes to to be an incredible not just a fight choreographer, but like to arrange it, to sell it, and to. To, to be able to um, work with the team, you know, you've got, you, you've got to also um, be able to um, get the best out of the crew, you know, um, you, you might be given performers, you know, for, for me, there was a lot of things that, you know, he was like, okay, cool, maybe try and do this a little bit more and do this. So I was even, you know, being in the game 12 years, for me, you know, I was still like, man, okay, okay, well, what can you show me this? Because he comes from that side where the level is completely different to necessarily what the level is here. But when you have that opportunity to be able to absorb information from someone who's that, one, that willing to give it away, and two, that willing to kind of like want, want you to better yourself, I just took everything and I learned a lot from him. And, and definitely being able to get the best out of your crew is also a very valuable part of being a you being the fight guy or the fight person um because yeah you know if you if you, anyone can just put a fight together but you know there's there's the way you capture it there's different styles like and if you don't have that energy from the performers that brings the whole fight down that brings the whole energy down so you've got to be able to in a sense be like a team leader you've got to be a coach you've got to be the the, the, the person inspiring you know plus you've got to film it you've got to edit it you know, when the guys go home after their day at work, you sit behind the laptop for the next four or five hours and probably the next three hours before you start work the next day, getting his crews ready to be able to show the director the next day, you know. So, and then go back and then do it all over again if they don't like it. It's a massive task that, you know, like kind of 99.9% need not apply, but it is awesome, you know, like it is, it is incredible. And there's some very, very talented um, fight choreographers out there. And uh, what's nice about our community is that everyone's always so supportive of everyone's stuff. Everyone shares, you know, shares their previsors from the shows that have just come out. And you're like, wow, man, that was so sick. And that's amazing. Uh, it's a very uplifting industry to be in because it doesn't matter really what the level is that is coming out. You know, someone's always going to be like, that's cool, man. Keep up with your work. And it inspires you. It keeps you pushing. It keeps you creative. It keeps you um, eager to design more. You know, it's great. That's cool. All right, now hold on one second though, because you were talking just a little while ago about uh, you know doing a, a cool fight, designing a cool fight, but then having it get lost in translation in the edit, right? So um, how do you deal with that when you're constructing something and, and crafting a fight? Because you know that you don't necessarily have the final say over the edit. So what are you thinking about when you're putting all of that together? You know, you know what? I guess you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to um, kind of isolate too much. Because you never know, the director might not like icing. <laughs> so it's like, right, right. It, it really depends what, how you want to take it. Now, you know, for me, I try not to overdo it. I try and just go, listen, 
I don't want to say, I don't want to be so cemented in the way like, well, this is how I do it and then this is how it needs to be done kind of thing. It really depends what director you have. You can have a director that is, I mean, look, say you've got Chad, you know, Chad Stelsky, you're not going to go, Chad, this is how it needs to be. The guy knows how it needs to be, you know, rather give him, <laughs> rather give him a fight that just kind of shows everything and be like, you do your thing, man. But I just wanted to show you this is the fight that we have and rather not go crazy on the edit, but, but then for say some, a director who, um, who isn't necessarily super savvy with the action, they're going to rely on you pretty heavily to, to um, be able to get the best angles for them, you know, and they're also going to rely on you pretty heavily on the day to, you know, and I've had it now recently where they're like, okay, cool. Um, what lens were you on? Uh, where do you need it? And they all, they would even take your shot list and they'll have it printed out or they'll have it on an iPad and they go through frame by frame and they, that's what they did on Resident Evil. They go through frame by frame and they're literally super reliant on you to go, okay, cool, let's let's get this here. Let's get one on a, on a 35. Let's get one on, say, a 17 for the wide. Boom, boom, boom. And, you know, you're pretty much doing that. And that, in a, in a sense, leads you to, you know, however many years down the line to become an action director um, because you, you're now pretty much doing that for that scene. Um, and, you know, you're gaining that experience in pretty much running the floor in terms of where the camera needs to be. Um, you know, like, okay, cool, we'll take it up to this point. Okay, cool, let's get the connective tissue from this bit to this bit and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, so it really depends. It really depends. It goes from job to job. You know, sometimes you can do one where you're a lot more creative um, and then sometimes you just they just want to see it pretty basic nothing too crazy some of them are even like just film it on a phone and you're like no but I've, I've spent thousands and thousands of pounds on all this equipment and you want me to film it on my iPhone shit but it is what it is <laughs> so uh, you were talking about Manny uh, great guy I've loved having him on the show phenomenal guy phenomenal yeah guy. and uh that project that you you mentioned, Bloodshot, which uh, here in the U.S. Uh, dropped in the theaters the same day that we went on lockdown. So, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard. You know, we we literally. I I just got back from India um, the, on this day, and we had the cast and crew premiere, and I was like, sweet. And then within a few days, they also locked down. I was like, shit. <laughs> but now I hear they they have uh, released it on um, on digital. I had uh, Sam Hugan. Uh, he messaged me recently and was like yeah man it's going digital so you know hopefully they'll still be able to make some money from it and us also be able to you know get a little bit of uh our work showcase you know yeah and uh, i yeah it's definitely on digital uh, i've i've got it myself so i'm gonna be watching that later tonight Sick. and uh for that job you were the stunt double for sam hugan and uh, right. just quick story um i Back in the 90s, I worked on the Bloodshot comic books, so I have a tie oh, to this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, awesome, dude. We're pretty much, we're pretty much like family now. <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. But, um, yeah, tell me about your work on that, because uh, uh, stunt doubling uh, Sam Hugan uh, for that cool character in the trailer. So uh, what, what, did you, what did you get into? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that was uh, probably the... Okay, apart from Vin's character, that was probably, like, the next coolest character in the movie, because, I mean, you've got these, like... <laughs> yeah you got these arms and stuff like a little backstory here that they never, they actually never made it. Uh, Weta, which was the, the company that designed the suits and stuff. We had these like hands that like, we actually had the, the realistic like hands that we were able to move and stuff. They had to be puppeteered. And funny enough, we would have, uh, uh, Jamie Marinez and, uh, Justin, you would be like puppeteering these things on like made broomsticks basically to try and see if we could actually, you know, realistically, do the fight with these things and not have to rely on them to be done in CG. But unfortunately, the <clears throat> the joints of it didn't allow us to kind of be able to hook properly or throw like a decent uppercut without having to kind of, you know, slow the fight down kind of to a point where it wasn't going to work. So unfortunately, we never really got to use the arms. But yeah, they, they you know, Dave Wilson, the director, is phenomenal when it comes to his, his VFX. Um, and uh, and yeah, he, he made those things look super real anyway in post. So um, yeah, doubling that character was incredible. Sam was great. I'd actually doubled Sam before on Outlander. Oh, cool. Um, so we already knew each other, which was wicked. Yeah, so it was it was incredible. And um, you know, going going in there with with an actor, you kind of already know it was also a massive advantage because you've already built up the relationship. You've already established. Um, you know, your partnership in it, you know, you're I mean, both at the end of the day playing the role. He's doing the acting side of it and you are in a sense doing the performance side of it. So you're both playing the character. And uh, what was great was Sam was super, super willing to just do as much as he could, you know, and, and the things he says like, man, I can't do this. Can you step in? It's like, sweet, you know, 
ultimately it's difficult to use anything for the show because his face is on my face so it's uh <laughs> it all looks like him at the end of the day but uh he did a fantastic job and uh and yeah that was a very very awesome show it was, it was a tough one we, we got we got pretty bashed up but it was one of those ones where you know you look back and go man like i probably would do it all again it looks phenomenal. It really does. Yeah, the, uh, just the trailers uh, look really great. So I'm looking forward to catching that. Now, you mentioned that whole partnership. Um, how tight do you wind up getting with uh, any of the actors you double? Uh, you've worked with Sam before, obviously, but um, other actors just in general. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of do. You know, some people have this rule of like, you don't talk to the actors and this, this and this. But listen, at the end of the day, they they want to, they wanna, you know, be able to look at you and be like, can you, am I doing this right? Am I looking good when I do it? Is there anything that I can improve on or work so i've always been a massive believer of you've got to build up like such a good bond with your actor you know that you know you have the confidence to go up to them if they're not doing something right um and correct it and you know they're not going to take it like you're you know telling them what to do or they're going to not take it with, you know take it as disrespect um so you know if you're able to get if you're able to get good preparation with your actor you're there on the floor with them you know they you know a lot of the time they don't necessarily have an amazing background when it comes to action and you're there and you're teaching them from the ground up so you 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 build up a, a great relationship from the start with them and you know you chat in as well like if you're stretching you just you're just talking about things that you enjoy yourself in cape town and you know where you stay oh cool man but there's been a lot of times where um like uh, i did a uh, black sales uh, the the pirate show like season one and two and uh, yeah, cool show. and we built up an incredible relationship with the with the cast you know we was we was there from the prep stages back in in the middle of 2012 and we was going out partying with the guys drinking with the guys house parties <laughs> you know they become they become friends like and they become like family like I've got friends now even we did a uh, Scorpion King four. And uh, even now, I'm having friends being like, oh, you've worked with so-and-so. Oh, my gosh, how was everything? And you're still like, oh, we need to catch up. We need to do this. You know, the film the film game, you're, everyone's in this game for a passion. You know, it's everyone's passion. No one no one does 17 to 18-hour days by choice. <laughs> it's, here <because> we <laughs> love, it's here because we love we love the art form. We love whatever department you're in, whether it's sound, whether it's camera, whether it's this, whether it's that, you know, you love your, 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 your passion. So, you know, everyone's got, everyone's got that kind of, that passionate side to them when, when it comes to making a film, you know, we all need to, you know, pull our weight because otherwise without any department, it's not going to work, you know? Um, so everyone's always super friendly. Everyone's always super accommodating and you make, you make friends for life. I mean, I, all the actors that I've pretty much doubled, I say a good 90%, I still, to this day, keep in contact with. There's not at least a month that doesn't go by where I haven't said, hey, what's up, how's things going? And we're catching up. And, you know, like, they've had children now or whatever, you know, like, they, you know, it's been 10, 12 years, you know, so their life has, you know, progressed and so is yours. And you, you might bump into them when you go to, you know, visit their country and they're like, oh, you're in town, let's meet up for a coffee. And then, you having you know you having coffee with an actor you doubled five or six years ago. It's it's really nice. It is it is awesome. Now you said that ninety percent. So tell me honestly though, in that ten percent, was there ever a case where uh, you and the actor that you doubled didn't quite get along? Without naming names, obviously, <laughs> because I, I mean I know that you know you mentioned that some actors you know uh, maybe might be like, listen, you do what you have to do and just stay out of my way. Does that ever happen? You know what? I've seen it happen, um, but hand on my heart, it's never happened to me. Um, it has happened on jobs that I've worked on, but um, I also, I, it's also down to, I feel, the, the way the performers necessarily didn't take the opportunity to approach their actor. You know, they stayed, they may have stayed quite distant from the get-go. So when it came to the day on the set, the person would come up to them and be like, hey, can you just do this? And they're like, sorry, who are you? And they're like, I'm your double. And they're like, oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> they, they never established that. But for me personally, no, it's never happened. Uh, that 10% is like the people who are a-list celebrities who I don't even think I can get through through their Instagram to be like, hey, remember me? I doubled you on no on Chapman, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. What? No, Hugh. It's it's Nate. <laughs> Hugh, get away from your house. Okay, cool. Sorry, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's it's more like it's more that's more the reason, you know. But uh, but no, everyone everyone has been super awesome. Like I feel I feel like I've been really really fortunate to to just have. Uh, double awesome people do you have a, a favorite double oh that would be telling um in all honesty, <laughs> every, 
it depends who's listening, you know, but like everyone, sure. everyone's been wicked. I'd say right now it's Sam because, you know, he's like the, the recent guy I doubled, but Sam's wicked. We, you know, we still WhatsApp, we still chat, not even necessarily about work. You know, he's doing an incredible, you know, thing with his, with his, he's got like an alcoholic brand coming out now and um, he's, he's doing a lot of things with training and I think he's got this um, like something peak challenge. Um, where you know he's just getting a lot of people fit and active, and he's just an all-round great guy. So we've we've managed to keep in contact, you know, since Bloodshot, and uh, and you know, like every couple of weeks or whatever, I'll drop him a message or you know, like someone on Instagram, we just chat, you know. And um, yeah, he's awesome. He's a proper proper lad. Good guy. Very cool. All right, I've kept you a long time. Uh, let's do a lightning round, a special COVID nineteen edition. You ready? Okay, cool. Let's do it. Funny. All right. First thing that comes off uh, off the top of your head. So, uh, first question: uh, When's the last time you took a shower? Uh, this morning after training. <laughs> I figured that would be different from you since you're training twice a day. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what board game have you played the most in the last couple of weeks? Probably, I'd say Uno. Is is that class? Is it? It's a card game. But yeah, I'd say Uno. Sounds good. You mentioned this, but uh, let's let's uh, reinforce it. What video game is in heavy rotation right now? Oh man, Call of Duty Warzone. Hit me up. <laughs> I stun for life with the number four. I stun for life. Come at me. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I stun for life. So we'll look for that. All right. Um. Uh. How much more are you gonna weigh when this is all over? You know what? Right. I've literally just dropped about eleven kg since Christmas. I kind of got. Of course you did. I was still training, but I got comfortable. And uh, and right now, you know, I'm sitting at like ninety. Okay, I don't want to lie, but about ninety eight. Um, but I, I so I put on about a, a kg. But uh, I think it's because <laughs> I'm not able to hit the amount of cardio that I would normally hit when I'm in the yeah. gym. But I think you know, as long as I maintain this, if I can keep under a hundred after this uh, three week lockdown is done, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, very cool. All right, finish this sentence. When the quarantine is lifted, the first restaurant I'm going to visit is yeah, Nando's. <laughs> All right, cool. Nando's, yeah, people in the UK will be like, yeah, my G, <laughs> Nando's is good. <laughs> okay, uh, from Into the Badlands, who do you miss more, Sherman Augustus or Lewis Tan? Oh man, I mean, they're both awesome. You know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I doubled Lewis, but Sherman's. We ate a lot of donuts together. <laughs> I'd say both. I'm just going to say both. I can't, I can't choose. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. And last question. It's a trick question. So hopefully you're going to get it right. But what's your favorite podcast about Kung Fu, martial arts, and TV and entertainment? It's your one, G. It's the Kung <laughs> Fu driving, baby. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> what if I'd said something else? You're going to be like, this, is, this interview's over. <laughs> yep. I would have cut it straight off. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what is, uh, what's currently in the works for you once uh, this whole thing is over? I mean, you, some some stuff probably got hung up right off the bat. So what will you be heading into once uh, once the whole thing is lifted? Yeah, well, um, I was in India, funny enough, um, when all of this kicked off. Um, and we came back and I was supposed to then go out like a, a three or four days later. And then it was like, no go. Everything was closed off. All the borders were shut down. So hopefully when this blows over, <clears throat> we'll go back out there. And we're doing like uh, this pickup on uh, this action scene or action film called Attack. Um, so a lot of explosions, a lot of military stuff, nice cool fight scenes that are happening there. So yeah, we're going to be doing this nice big Bollywood film, I think for the next three or four weeks in early May. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and what about anything that you're doing yourself? Are you filming anything in particular? Right now I've got a little short film going on at the moment that's kind of just on hold because, uh, the person who was in it was King Shaven and now he's got like a massive beard and doesn't want to shave it until like the lockdown. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) plus we can't actually, it has to be on hold because no one can be in close contact with anyone. So, um, I've been working on that, um, which is, it's quite nice. It's, uh, it's about a, uh, it's about kind of like a hitman that basically has to kill his, his friend. Um, they both work for the same kind of, you know, bad guy or whatever. And, uh, and, but he has a lot of remorse and there's a little, a little bit of a twist at the end, but uh, yeah, it's nice. I'm not, it's nice just to not film just action, 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 especially if you want to go down the kind of directing route, you've got to get comfortable, comfortable with being able to film more emotional scenes. <clears throat> so, you know, that's where, you know, times like this is where I do my homework. So this is where I focus on learning different techniques, techniques in lighting, techniques in editing, techniques in sound design. So, um, you know, I'm putting the theory in now. So when, you know, all this blows over, I'll be a little bit more educated on all of these things. Cool. So speaking of that, and uh, last question then, uh, is there a, a next step for you to uh, get towards that action director role? Yes, totally. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm pushing for one day. 
um, you know, uh, it will definitely come, you know, when, when the opportunity arises. Um, I've kind of always had a saying to say, uh, be ready so you never have to get ready. So this is now where I just, um, you know, I just educate myself. I do the training. I get the theory down. I get the understanding down. I kind of um, work on my style. And, um, and yeah, just keep pushing, pushing towards that goal. You know, it will happen. Um, what's amazing is that I'm seeing uh, these opportunities also going from other, you know, ex-performers um, to say to them now, you look at, say, uh, Sam Hargrave, he just now directed um, Chris Hemsworth's latest project. And uh, it's amazing. And I mean, I was working with Sam and he was a stunt double in 2014. And uh, I mean, the guy is phenomenal and he's just been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, doing amazing, um, you know, fight choreography to um, stunt, co uh, stunt coordinating to then second unit directing and then now he's directing. And, um, you know, and I look at that and I just go, it's possible, it's happening right in front of me. And, uh, and you know, I've got these guys to be inspired by. So as long as I kind of stay focused, stay driven and stay positive, it, it will be inevitable. Very cool. You've done some great work already. I, I have no doubt that you're going to continue to uh, to push that. And uh, that action director role is probably uh, going to come sooner rather than later. So Nathan Bash, thank you so much for taking some time out. You're an awesome guy. Uh, guys, follow him uh, on Instagram. I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, Nathan, what is it on Instagram? Uh, it is Nathan, Nathan Barris, I think. <laughs> All right, cool. So, yeah, I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, and he's got, uh, I believe you've got Facebook pages and, and uh, you have your website too. So all of those links will be there. Stay safe, guys. Uh, stay strong and uh, definitely stay home. But uh, thank you again for talking with me and best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Guys, wash your hands. Cool. <laughs> Huge thanks to Nathan Barris for chatting with me all the way from Cape Town. Cool guy, doing cool work, such a positive attitude, even though he, like many of us, is locked down during this insane pandemic. Bloodshot is now available for streaming on digital, so go grab it and check out Nathan's work there. If you stream The Dark Tower or Resident Evil, the final chapter, you can check out some of his fight choreography as well. Otherwise, he's active on Instagram, and I'll post links to all his socials in the show notes. Give him a follow and let him know you checked out his interview here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Nathan, be safe out there. And we've talked about hooking up again on the show after COVID-19 is just a memory. So watch for that. In the meantime, follow me on all my socials as well, or feel free to drop me a line at kungfudriving at gmail.com. If you have a moment, head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a rating or review. The Kung Fu Driving Podcast is currently in the top 200 globally in film and TV, which is amazing. So thank you all for that. But now I have my site set on the top 100 and let's see what happens from there. Guys, COVID-19 is no joke, so be smart, stay safe, stay strong, and above all, stay home and listen to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Some action, drink a little wine, we get drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's war. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. We walk into the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine, we get drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's war. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. I see the iron fisted monk upon the daily prayers. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the land. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is old and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to raise jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here the blast. On the end, back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but more. Don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here David D is coming back The Tai Chi master Jelly's even faster Bitch had a little drink Because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie show his spiner Golden Swallow has arrived Chan Chi movies Will the hero we survive? We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah, the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying To kill them all So stand back He plays the black magic On the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaol in a mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! 
this time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and giant account on the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slash your blood is just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance that won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor when the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that's the card, Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, spending for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, spending for some action